Pastor Joel, one of the pastors here at Church of Cane Bay. Um, excited uh, to spend some time with you guys. Like Will mentioned, this year we've been going through this theme of with and what it means for us to be with God, to be with a friend and with a neighbor. And last week we talked a little bit about that idea of with a friend and connecting with people in huddles and into discipling relationships. And this week we're going to be looking at that in the context of the family. So if you got your Bibles, we're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 6, Deuteronomy chapter 6, or if you have the Bible app on your phone, you can pull it up and click on events. And then Church of Cane Bay and our notes will be right there for you as well. But Deuteronomy chapter 6. So with this, talking about the family today, I realize that we all come from kind of different family experiences, right? That not all of us have had the same kinds of experiences growing up. Not all of us are experiencing the same kinds of family dynamics right now. But we come from different backgrounds and we experience different backgrounds. And that's a good thing and it's, it's a beautiful thing. And some of us have had kind of the stereotypical like American family, 2.5 kids, whatever it may be. But many of us in this room, that wasn't our experience. It wasn't our experience growing up and it's not our experience right now. And some of us are in a stage of life where we're younger. We're not even thinking about that yet. We're just the kids in a family. Um, some of us are a little older, but we're not married yet. We're still single. Um, some of us may be married, but we don't have kids yet, and we find ourselves in a different stage of life. And, and among all those different things, even then, there can be a lot of diff- different dynamics. Maybe there's parents who are um, believers and who are guiding you to know Jesus and be with Jesus, or maybe that's not your experience as well. So wherever you are, I realize and understand that as we talk about family this morning, that with all of those different things happening, that I don't want anybody to feel like this doesn't matter to them and that what God has to say here in Deuteronomy chapter 6 doesn't apply to them because I really believe that we are a family. And this morning that we as a church, what, wherever we may come from and whatever our situation may be, that the things that we see and read and hear from the Lord this morning apply to us here in this context, in this body as we gather together this morning, that they apply to your missional communities, which are a family as well. These are truths that are going to hit, I think, on a lot of different levels. And so don't tune out, um, but I pray that you'll use this as an opportunity to to tune in a little bit. So we're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 6 as we get started. So summer before last, my family went on a trip to Florida, and it was like the, the kind of big family, family vacation where the grandparents invite all the grandkids and the kids to come and everybody gets together. And there's a lot of goals when you go on a trip like that. You want to have a good time, right? You want to spend some time relaxing. You want to spend time with people that you love and people that you care about. But usually on a trip like that, there's also like one goal that's like more important than any of the rest of those things. And that is getting the family picture. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about, right? Like you've got to get this picture. You've got to nail this thing. And so uh, summer before last, when we went to Florida with Emily's parents, we, uh, we went after that family picture. And so we did like the big group pictures, and then we took some small pictures of just like our family. And we ended up with this image that I'm going to show you right now. And I think that you will agree. No, not that one. That one. That one. I think that you'll agree that like we nailed it, right? Like, it's a beautiful picture. Uh, it was a beautiful day, and the girls were happy and smiling. Like, all of these perfect things came together to create this magical moment that gives you uh, 
just this great image that you want to blow up and you want to hang on your living room wall because it's great. And we did. We blew it up. It's hanging on the living room wall. I've got one in my office back there. Like, it's just this great thing. But without a plan like that, you end up with the picture that you saw originally. And this is from this past summer on vacation. Um, I don't know, I don't even remember what was going on, but I think that the little one was upset about something and her sister was like, what's wrong with you? Um, Who knows? Like, honestly, we probably have more pictures like this on our phones than we do of the others, right? But these kind of goals and these plans are an important thing. And this is more of our normal, right, that we experience as a family is this kind of thing. When we have these goals for our family, we have these things that we want to achieve and we want to really go after that perfect picture every day. It's what we want our family life to be like. <clears throat> it's what we want our family to experience. And we want this beautiful thing to be happening all the time. We want our kids to be smart. We want them to go through school. We want them to get a good education. We want things to go well there so that they can then be successful. We want our kids to end up in a great career and a great job. Whatever they want to pursue in life, whatever they want to achieve, we want our kids to be healthy. And so we're pushing them in in those ways. We want our kids to have good um, social interactions with the people around them so that they grow and how to interact with people and be successful in that way. Ultimately, we want our kids to achieve things that we weren't able to achieve when we were younger. But then I think there's a little bit of us as well that really wants as one of our main goals for our family, like we want our kids to love us, right? We want them to appreciate us because what good is a relationship if we're not getting something out of it, right? So we want to benefit from these things as well. And I have to think that with a lot of those goals, a lot of those things that we think about, that those things are oftentimes pretty selfish. And sometimes they can be pretty me-centered. That a lot of those goals really exist for us. We believe sometimes that our family exists for us, for what we can get out of it. That our spouse, that they're there for us and what we can get out of that relationship. That our kids are there for what we can gain from that. And sometimes even our church, our missional community, that it's here for me. What can I get? What can I take home? How is this going to impact me? How is it going to make a difference in my life? And the truth is, None of those relationships exist for us, right? They exist for God. And so we have to ask ourselves the question, are the goals that we even have for our family the right goals? Are they God's goals for our family? Or are they goals that we have set up in a selfish way? And we push our kids and our families and our, our church and our missional communities in so many different directions so often that oftentimes we miss guiding them to the ultimate thing. We run after all the little things and we miss the one big thing. And so today we're going to be talking about what should our goals be as a family? What do we want to go after? How do we guide our family to be with God? And so we're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Now, interestingly enough, in Deuteronomy 6, if you look back to Deuteronomy chapter 5, there's a really important event that happens for God's people. And Moses has just come down off of the mountain where he spent time with God And God gave him these 10 big rules, that's what I call them with with my kids, or these 10 commandments that he then brings down off of the mountain and tells them to God's people. He tells them to Israel, he relays them to them there. And so in Deuteronomy chapter 5, the people of God get the 10 commandments. And here in Deuteronomy chapter 6, 
Moses is basically telling them, well, here's what you need to do with this. Here's why these matter. Here's the application of those things. And so those things exist for a reason, but here is what you need to do about it. So we're going to start reading Deuteronomy 6, um, starting in verse 1. It says this. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. You may do them in the land to which you were going over to possess it. You may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's sons, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. So the first thing that we get out of this in verses 1 through 3, is that we have got to guide our family to obey God. Guide our family to obey God. So the people of God are in this moment of transition, where God has promised them a land that is coming to them, and they are on the way to get that land. They're on the way to get this promise that God has given them. And Moses has the job of guiding them through that process, much like we guide our families. And so Moses is guiding them, and in verse 2, we see what really Moses is doing here to help them understand, and it's this idea of obedience. And we see this several times throughout these first three verses. In verse 1, he says um, that they need to obey, like that you may, he says in verse 1, that you may do them. In verse 2, that you need to keep the statutes, keep the commandments. In verse 3, be careful to do them. God is constantly reminding his people of the importance of their obedience. He's repeating it. Because it must be hard for us to get. It must be hard for us to understand. And all of it goes to show that we struggle with obedience as people. That obeying God, that obeying in general is hard. And all you have to do is look at our kids to realize that that's the truth, right? Obedience is difficult. But God is asking for it. He's asking for us to be people who obey and asking for us to teach our kids and our kids' kids to obey as well. In verse 3, we see that there's this idea of a result that comes from that. And it's really a promise. In verse 2, he says that the promise is that their days would be long. In verse 3, that things would go well for them, that they would multiply, and that they would move into this land flowing with milk and honey. Now, hear me this morning as we talk about this, though. It's important for us to understand, because I think that we, we teach our kids this wrong sometimes. When we teach obedience to our kids, we, we teach them to obey, usually so that they can get something or so that they can achieve something. But obedience isn't something that we do to gain a reward. It's not something that we run after so that we can achieve something. It's not, this isn't some kind of like cosmic sticker chart that God has built in the sky that when you obey, you're going to get this reward, you're going to get this promise. That's not how it works. Really what it is, is it's the simple thing that when we obey the rules that God has given in this universe that God has created, that we're able to live in such a way that God has designed for us to live. God has made and designed the universe in such a way that when we obey and we walk in the path that God has given us to walk on, that things are going to go well for us. That we're going to, to learn, we're going to grow, and that things are going to be smoother than if we disobeyed and went off. Because that's not the way that God has designed things to work. He's given us a plan, and he's asked us to follow him in obedience so that we can live fully. We all know that rules exist for a reason, right? 
things exist for a reason. You have rules in your family that exist so that for the good of your family, so that your family will, will stay safe. One of the rules that we have as a family is not to jump on the furniture, right? Now, I don't have a lot of problem obeying that rule, but for some reason, my kids struggle a little bit with it. And one day, Emily and I are always reminding them and reinforcing this. And one day, our youngest, we weren't paying attention. You know, we have other things to do than watch our kids 24-7, right? Um, so we weren't paying attention. And my youngest, Olivia, was like jumping on the couch, jumping up and down, and then her foot slipped, right? And her head goes and just plants on the coffee table that's right there. And so she's just wailing. Thankfully, there wasn't any blood or anything like that. She didn't have a concussion, but she's crying, crying, crying. And so we go and console her, and we're trying to calm her down in this moment because that's the thing that you do first is calm your child down. And then once she's okay, we talk to her about how, hey, listen, we have rules for a reason. They're for your good. The rules that we have about not jumping on the couch are to keep you safe so that this doesn't happen. And God's rules for us are no different. They're there for our good. They're there to keep us on the path that God has designed us to live on. God doesn't want us to see things fall apart when we break his rules and end up in destruction. He wants to protect us. But obedience is hard. We see it in our kids, but the truth is we're exactly the same. How many times do we have to be reminded of something before we begin? How many times do we have to stumble and fall before we begin to obey God? How many times do we have to hear from God that we should be doing something before we make the decision to obey God? We're exactly the same. Here at Church of Cane Bay, we believe and we say that parents are the chief disciple makers of their kids, that, that you, it's your job, if you're a parent, it is your job to disciple your kids. It's your job to guide your children to be with Jesus. Now, we want to help you. We want to resource you. We want to walk that walk with you, and we certainly have the opportunity to do that because we are a family. But as parents, it is your role primarily to make that happen. Now, like I mentioned earlier, there are some in here who didn't grow up in a household like that. And maybe you had people from a church, or maybe you had people from a small group, or whatever it may be, who stepped into your life and helped carry you and help guide you along that way for yourself. And that's beautiful. But we as a church for those people have an opportunity to step in and model what obedience looks like. Because obedience matters. And our kids need to see obedience in our life. People in our missional communities need to see obedience. We need to be modeling this for each other. See, your kids, as we all know, are going to imitate what they see. And if they see you obeying God, then they are going to begin to obey God as well. But they have to see it in us. We can't expect them to do something that we're not willing to do ourselves. And they won't. They won't do something that we're not willing to do ourselves. So you can't tell your kid to watch their mouth and ignore for yourself what Ephesians 4.29 says about having no unwholesome talk coming out of your mouth. You can't tell and encourage your MC to serve and be kind and Turn around and blast people on social media and ignore God's commandment to love your neighbor as yourself. We can't punish our kids for lying while we hide the truth from them at the same time. They're smarter than that. And we have to model what obedience looks like if we want to guide our family to obey God. So we need to do that, but also we need to guide our family to love God. Look at verse 4. 
It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Now, these are two of the most important verses in all of the Bible. And the first one, in verse 4, is in Hebrew what they call Shema, uh, that translates for us as hear. And this is a really important verse for the people of Israel because it declares something that they were constantly repeating, that they constantly put before them, that hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. And so it's important for them to know and be reminded that their God is one and that their God stands above all else, that he is one God. And then in in verse 5, we see what is the greatest commandment, that they are to love the Lord their God with all their heart, with all their soul, and with all their might, that nothing else in this world should stand above him, that they're not holding back in any area of their life, but with everything that they have, they're fully giving themselves to loving God. Jesus quotes this in Matthew 22, 37 and 38. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your might. And then in verse 38, he says, this is the great and first commandment. That it's the most important commandment that above all else, that we should be loving God with everything that we have. And if that's the most important thing for us, then it's the most important thing that we can show to our kids as well. Some of you guys may have heard the name Phil Vischer before. Uh, If you haven't heard of the name Phil Vischer, then maybe you have heard of the thing that Phil Vischer created, which is called VeggieTales. Um, And if somehow you've escaped the hairbrush song and the water buffalo song, um, the description is basically this. And so it's this group of vegetables who talk, uh, and they kind of relive Bible stories or relive different scenarios to teach kids how they should act and how they should live, really, in obedience to God. My kids have a, a VeggieTales devotion book, and it does picks out these character traits and pushes them to live a certain way, which is great. But there is something that VeggieTales doesn't do really well, and that is it doesn't really connect on a heart level. It's not guiding kids into a relationship with Jesus. It's just telling them how to act as people who are in one. And Phil Vischer realized this uh, eventually as he grew in his own relationship with the Lord. And one day, he, he, there's a quote from him where he said, wait a minute. Did I just spend 10 years persuading kids to behave Christianly without teaching them Christianity? And that just stopped me in my tracks. I can't just tell kids to behave like Christians. See, God wants more than just our obedience. Yes, our obedience matters. But the Old Testament is full of stories of God's people following him in lifeless obedience, where all they do is do what God says. And in in places like Amos chapter 5, God says, I don't want that anymore. I don't want you to do that anymore. I hate what you're doing. I despise what you're doing. Take it away from me. Because God wants more than just our obedience. He wants our hearts. And if we can't obey out of a love for him, then we miss the whole point of obedience altogether. See, guys, the gospel is not about behavior modification. It's about a relationship that changes every aspect of who we are as God's people. We find ourselves in, in moments with our kids sometimes where they, they push our limits and we lose our cool. Parents, you've all been there. Like, we're, we're just going to be really honest with each other. I've been there probably this week, right, where they push your limits, you lose your cool a little bit, and then you just want to, like, throw the hammer down and be like, this is how it is. You do this right now, right? 
And when we find ourselves in moments like that, nothing good comes out of it. Now, they might obey, but not in a way that produces what we really want in the end. But, on the other hand, if my relationship with my kids is good, and I'm loving them well and pushing them to know how much I love them, then guess what my kids are going to do? They're going to respond with obedience out of love. And God's relationship with us is the exact same way that he's constantly leading with love, that we love because he first loved us. And when God leads in love, we have the opportunity to turn around and obey him out of love as well in a way that is good and healthy and beautiful. So do your kids see you loving God? Do they see you modeling a love for God? We have student leaders in our church who are are leading other students and who are leading kids. You guys, do those students, do those kids see you loving God? MC leaders, does your missional community see and feel that you actually love God or do they feel like you're following in lifeless obedience? See, when my kid walks in in the morning and they see me spending time with God in his word in the living room and walk up, that says something to them. It says to them that this is important enough for me to wake up early and spend time with God because I'm in a relationship with him and because I love him. When your kids see you and, 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 and you bring them to church on Sunday morning and you are showing that you love God when you sing to him and you're showing that you, you're in relationship with God's people, that says something to them and it makes them ask questions. When you take them to missional community during the week and you serve with your missional community, they wonder why in the world would you do that? What's happening there? There must be something bigger going on. When they see you putting money in the basket on Sunday morning, I've gotten this from my kids, like why would you give money to God? Doesn't God already own everything? They see something and they wonder what is going on with this. When you show up early to church to serve on a team, your kids are going to wonder, why would you do that? We have to show our kids the love of God, but we can't just model it. We have to talk about it. They have to know that above all else, Jesus is the first reason for why we do everything that we do. That loving him is the first and the biggest reason for everything. It's got to be a part of our normal conversation. We've got to bring it into everything that we do. The reason that we do everything is to love Jesus. Our prayers have to express our love for who he is. Our kids need to see and hear from us what loving Jesus looks like. And then lastly, we need to guide our families to know God. Let's look at verse 6. He says, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your kids and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Verse 6 leads us into this idea that, again, it's a reminder that these commandments shall be on our heart. This is about a relationship. It's not about lifeless obedience that, that we love by obeying. And then in verse 7, he gets into some really practical ways that we can do this. When we sit in our homes, that we're talking about it day to day, that it's a normal part of our life and it's a normal part of the rhythms of our day to talk about who God is. 
but as we go, <coughs> excuse me, go on a walk with our kids and go to bed at night, that this, these are normal rhythms that we experience as a family. And in verse 8 and 9, these kind of vis- visible reminders, visible reminders to cause us to think about this. Writing them on the doorposts of our house and hanging up pictures in your house. Or maybe you take a dry erase marker and write on your bathroom mirror as you get ready. Or I've put index cards in my car with scripture on them before. Just things to drive me towards remembering the fact that God loves me and that I want to know him more and I want to be in relationship with him deeper in a real way. And we want our kids to know God. It's why we're, a lot of us are here this morning and came and brought our kids and dropped them off into an environment where they can hear about God, begin to know him more. When we talk about knowing God, we're not talking about facts. We're not talking about words. We're not talking about just a head knowledge. We're not talking about knowing of God. We want our kids to know God. We want our kids to be with God. We want our kids to understand the gospel, that they're sinners in need of a Savior, and that only through the sacrifice of Jesus can they be brought back into right relationship with God. We have to teach our kids that truth so that they can know and experience who God is. It doesn't happen accidentally. It's got to be intentional. We can't just bring our kids and drop them off and live the way that we want to live and expect anything to happen. We have to have a plan for what it looks like if we want our kids to obey God, love God, and know God. Earlier I showed the, the good picture of my family So we'll go back to that. So there's a lot of things involved in achieving something like this, right? So you've got to pick out the color scheme to make sure that everybody matches. And then you've got to pick out the outfits that like fit in the color scheme that are going to work really well. Make sure all that lines up well. You've got to find the right time of the day when the light is good so that the picture turns out well. You've got to find the right spot. Is anybody else seeing the fact that the gate in the back says hi? I can't look at that picture without seeing that anymore. But all these things come together to create this, like, beautiful image that was planned. And the rest of our life is the same way. We have plans to achieve the things that we want to achieve with our kids. Let me show you a little bit. So we have goals for our kids, and I think generally, like, we could probably break our goals down into these categories. We want our kids to be smart. We want our kids to be successful. We want our kids to be healthy, and we want our kids to be with Jesus, what we're talking about this morning. And so then we have our time, our time during the week. This is how much capacity we have as a family to give towards achieving these goals, to give towards seeing these things happen. So where do we spend it? So our kids go to some kind of like schooling every week. And so um, for school, like that makes our kids smart. Uh, It also speaks into our kids being successful and school takes up a lot of hours. So we'll just go ahead and put a lot there. Another thing that takes up a lot of time during our week uh, is sleeping. Like sleeping is really important for all these three categories, right? Like sleeping helps us be smart. Sleeping helps us be really successful and achieve the things that we want to achieve. It also is really important to this idea of health, that as we sleep, uh, our kids are going to be a lot more healthy. Then you have, like, the extracurricular activities that your family has. And 
These could be like sports, it could be chess club, it could be like music. There's a lot of different things. And so it really speaks, depending on what it is, into all these different areas as well. And all of these things, all these extracurricular activities could speak into these kind of three categories. <clears throat> then you have time around the table where you eat meals. Hopefully your meals are driving your kids towards being healthy. Um, you have time in the car to get to all these different things, and we all know like how much time that actually takes, which is really frustrating, but that's all driving towards achieving some of these things. You say time in the car is, is getting us to this point, which is, which is a big deal. Uh, we have playtime for our kids where they spend time just playing and being kids, and that's really important, and that helps them be healthy. It helps them uh, with social interactions in a big way. Then you've got like homework or reading time, and those things go really big into this idea of being smart and, uh, and being successful. Then there's like the whole devices thing. Um, our kids and families spend a lot of time on devices, and we're just going to put that in the successful category. Maybe tech helps them be successful. Maybe if they're doing something that's good, it helps them be smart. I don't know what it might be. And then if you have like high school kids... Um, or who have like a job, then that's helping them and pushing them in, in these ways to be successful. And then we have church. See, guys, we don't have much left when it comes to our week and all the time that we invest and all the things that we do to get our kids here. Sometimes we're running after results and we're missing out on the thing that could affect those results more than anything else and that is intentionally driving our kids to be with Jesus and know him we don't have a plan for this we have a plan for all these things and what it looks like but typically we don't have a plan for helping our family be with Jesus and church isn't enough in the midst of everything else in our culture, we have to do more. We have to be more intentional. It's not going to happen on accident. We can't keep running after the things that we want to run after, our goals and our plans, and expect our kids to turn out any different than we have. We've got to do something different to get them there. So what can we do? What if we started taking some of these things and investing them in different ways? So, when my family sits down for a meal, sometimes we, we have these cards that we use. And uh, this is a resource that you can get. We got it off Amazon. It's called God Story 365. So they're these little tear-off cards. And uh, they basically give you, like, a brief little Bible story and a picture to show your kids and then questions to ask your kids about that thing. And so it takes something that you have to do every day and creates a little bit of intentional time around it, which is um, something that's valuable. If we can take some of this existing stuff and begin to be intentional with it, then that could be a really important time. What if during your car rides, you began to say, instead of listening to whatever we listen to, um, what if we took some time and played some worship music and had some worship time together as a family where we sang songs to Jesus, reminding our kids of how important that is. During your reading time, during the day, what if you took some of that reading time and you spent it reading God's Word together, reading something that was going to drive them towards Jesus? Our family, every night, we read out of the Jesus Storybook Bible. 
um, which is a great resource. If you have younger kids, I highly recommend it. We have some out here. Um, it's, it's a really great resource where it runs through all of Scripture, but in every story it points to Jesus. And it points to the importance of a relationship with Jesus. And so every night I get to talk to my kids about who Jesus is and why a relationship with him matters in such a big way. It's a great resource. Um, what if you gave up one of your nights of extracurricular activities and said, you know what, instead of doing that tonight, we're going to take some time and go to a missional community. Let us spend time together with other families who believe that this is something that's valuable and is important. And what if we took some of our weekend time where we have fun and we plan fun things and, and did some family worship time? Um, just had some time together as a family, spending time around God's Word. If, if some of your kids are maybe middle school or high school or older elementary kids, then you could take time around the table uh, and basically do a huddle. We talked about huddles last week. It's giving um, people an opportunity to sit around God's Word together, journal through God's Word, and then talk about what God is teaching them. Man, how valuable would it be for you parents to sit at a table with your kids and let your kids hear what God taught you that day. Like it's an incredible thing. It would make a big difference in their life. We have one family in our church who every week they plan one-on-one time with their middle school and high school kids where they go and they go off somewhere away from home and, and sit there and, and spend time sometimes around God's word. Sometimes they're talking about goals. They're talking about plans, but they're always pushing their kids to know Jesus in a real way. And if we were just more intentional with our time, then we may begin to see more and more opportunities to guide our family to know God in a real way. We have a lot of ways that we want to resource you and help you do that as a church as well. Um, with our, the curriculum that we have that our kids walk through, every day you get a craft. Every Sunday you get like a craft that your kids kid brings home from them. And you may not know this, but usually on the back of that, there are some questions that you can ask your kids on the way home in the car or over lunch on Sunday uh, about what they learned that day. And that's there for you every week, and it's a great resource for you to be able to create some intentional space. And then we as well, to go along with the curriculum we use back there, have two different devotion books that walk through this, um, that give you um, time with your family, walking through these stories together during the week, something for every day during the week. And it's a great resource, and we have these back, uh, back there as well. We'd love for you to connect with them. But the important thing about all of this is that we've got to have a plan. And it's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take work. It's not going to come easy. It's going to involve us taking some next steps. And I know, again, some of us are not at the stage where we have kids where we can begin to invest these things. Um, Some of you may be in a family where your parents didn't do that growing up or they're not doing that for you now. But you have the opportunity to begin to model that for your kids or maybe even model it for your parents. Or maybe you can guide other, other kids or other students or other young adults to know who God is and to be with God. You just take the opportunity. Some of you don't have kids yet. And while you're working on the plan for what that looks like then, spend time together now. Emily and I were just laying in bed the other night talking about how we spend time in God's Word every day, both of us individually, and we're, we're soaping through Scripture together. We're soaping through Scripture but we said, why don't we do that together more? 
why don't we get together and, and do a, a huddle, the two of us, and spend time letting each other hear the things that God's teaching us. And there are valuable steps we can take. And there are also people here in your missional community, in this church, who could use you using this time in your life to invest in them in a way that they can be guided to know Jesus more. I love that we have students that are investing, high school students investing in middle school students and investing back in our kids at Cane Bay area. That's great, and they are an example to all of us of the fact that in different stages of life, we have the opportunity to invest in people in this family. And we want to take that opportunity to make sure that we are guiding people in this family to know who God is. I want to encourage all of us just to take a step. One step. Maybe you're here and your kids are already grown up and they're out of the house. God has given you an opportunity. He's given you space to be able to invest in others because of that. What does it look like for us to take one step to know him, to make him known through the relationships that God has given us in our families? Here's what I want to encourage you to do. As you're driving home today with your family, you're sitting around lunch, talk about What's one thing that we can do as a family to be more intentional? What's one thing that we can do as a family to focus in more on who Jesus is and knowing him more, obeying him more, loving him more? How can we as a family take the step that way? Talk about this with your missional community too. How, how can we do this together as a group? Like, how can we challenge each other? How can we guide each other as a missional community to do this? Maybe on your serve team, but... I encourage you to have those conversations in your MC this week. Talk about steps that you're going to be taking. Challenge and encourage others to take those kinds of steps as well. This week, we're going to put out a post on social media that gives you the opportunity, basically, to answer the question, what's the step that you're taking? How are you going to be more intentional with your family, with your missional community, with our church as as a whole? What are you going to do to take one step to be more intentional, to guide the people that are in your life to know and be with Jesus more in a real way? I hope that you'll take the opportunity to share those things with us this week so that we can be encouraged by them, so that we can encourage you as you're taking those steps and so that we can begin to challenge each other about how important this is. And there may even be some of you here this morning who aren't yet in a relationship with Jesus. And all this stuff about guiding other people into that is causing you to realize, like, I need to be there myself. I need to know him. I need to experience his love. I need to experience his grace. I'll be in the back in a minute, and I would love the chance to talk to you and pray with you uh, if you want to come and let us know that. But church, as we talk about this idea of live, there's no one more important than the people that God has given us to spend day after day after day with. And why would we neglect having a plan to guide them to be with Jesus? Let's pray. God, we are thankful for your goodness realizing, God, that you loved us first. Lord, that all that we can do now is continue to work and guide our family and the people in our lives to know you even more. Lord, I pray that as we begin to take some intentional steps, God, that we would be faithful, God, just to do what you've called us to do, what you're asking us to do. God, that we could lead our families, that we could guide our families to know you in a real way. There's so many things that we can do with our time. 
Lord, I pray that we don't just run after results, that we just don't run after goals that we set, that we want to see happen, Lord, but we could focus in on, God, what you want. Realizing, God, that what you want is so much more important than what we want. And, God, what you want for our family is so much greater than what we could possibly ever dream or hope or imagine. So, God, give us strength, give us courage, God, give us that one step that we can take to see that our family enters into a loving relationship with you. God, we love you, and I pray that we can love you as we obey, as we love.